Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the banana yellow game pack and the new Jungle Green N64 console. It's got a Jungle Green controller and comes with the N64 expansion pack. The Donkey Kong 64 bundle. It's more fun than a bunch of baboons with a bundle of bananas. World. We won't go in one direction or see where we can set. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. Change the system. It's Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. First things first, ladies and gentlemen, we gotta check and see if this episode is gonna be better than the last episode, because the last episode was the best episode of Ferris City 4 so far. So let's see what Mr. Predicto has to say. Mr. Predicto, will the next, uh, will this episode of Ferris City 4 be better than the last episode? The answer cannot be found at this moment. Not what I was expecting, but, um, hey, we'll, uh, I guess that means we'll see. I guess the future is not set in stone. Am I right or am I right? So I want to start off this episode by talking about Super Mario Golf, um, Super Mario Golf Super Rush. Is that what it's called? Oh my gosh. Super Mario Golf. Yeah, it is Super Rush. Mario Golf Super Rush. So I've, I've been forgetting to talk about this uh, for a few weeks now, and um, I, I guess uh, I've also kind of forgotten to play it recently, too. Last time I played it was last week, and um, I, was ha- I mean, I'm having a good time with it. It's Mario Golf, and it's a little bit more, I would say, hardcore quotation quotations um, than, like, Toadstool Tour, because this game... It really puts a little bit of that guessing factor into your 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 golfing, you know? You know how golf is, you know? You you hit that ball and you're not sure exactly where it's going to go after it rolls. You're not sure how far it's going to go. You're not sure how the curve of the ball is actually going to be until you actually swing that thing. So what Mario Golf Super Rush did was they took out the little line showing you exactly where your ball is going to go. Now you have a rough rough estimate of where your ball is going to go. So essentially, you can see kind of the you can see kind of the angle that you're going at, but if there's a curve or if the club is making a curve or if there's wind, that stuff is not is not does not show up at all. You have to kind of you actually have to kind of judge that for yourself and it's actually really interesting. There's one golf club that I've gotten that is like the, it's called like the Banana Wood or something, the Banana Hybrid, whatever it's called. I got it because, you know, Donkey Kong. <laughs> but it has this really like steep curve right at the end of the ball's uh, shot. And I wasn't, ex- I mean, I guess I, I was being kind of stupid and I wasn't expecting that. So when I hit the ball with it, because it was the best club that for the range that I was at, the ball went like out of bounds. 
And I was like, what the heck happened? So, you know, I, I used the club again, and I was like, okay, there's a, it shows like this huge steep curve right at the end there. So you kind of got to judge those things for yourself. Uh, so, you know, to use like the better clubs and stuff like that that do have this slight curve and stuff like that, um, it, it, you know, it, it actually takes a little bit of mental preparation and like figuring out what you exactly you're going to do. Putting, putting on the green is pra- practically the same as it was um, on Toadstool Tour. It still shows you the like the you know the slope and hills and stuff like that, the range to the to the tee, um, and you know that that's that's good. But they've they they've the, I think the thing that they changed the most was just the like everything else. You know everything before that is just completely different. So now when you when you hit the ball, you have a random amount of of curve and spin put on it uh, with the random meter or whatever it's called. I, I there, There's very technical terms for it that I just don't remember right now. And that adds a little bit of chaos to the mix, I guess you would say. I mean, not like super chaos, but, it, you know, it, it adds a little bit of it adds a little bit of something, something to it. And the other thing is, like, after you hit the ball, um, it shows you how far the ball is going to roll if it lands in, like, an optimal spot for rollage. Which can also help you when lining up like uh, you know pitching wedge shots and stuff like that because you know those the the ball doesn't go too far in the air but it does roll farther um, so you could have some nice like pin shots and stuff like that you know it's really cool and it came out at like the perfect time because there's a show on Hulu actually it's on TV but I watch it on Hulu uh, called Holy Moly and it came out like this the the third season came out like almost exactly when the game, like, the golf game was released, so I was really into, you know, the putting mechanics and stuff, you know, because, you know, I'm, you know, even though I don't play golf, I'm, I'm still kind of a fan of the sport, I'll play games based on it, you know, um, but so far, I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, Mario Golf, I haven't played, uh, the, the rush mode yet, which isn't, which I know, I know that's, like, the big selling point of the game, and I am interested in playing it, uh, I, I just I, I want to get through some of the more some of the more of the adventure mode stuff so I can kind of learn what it's all about before actually you know going online and playing with other people or even playing it with AI characters because the adventure mode kind of goes through everything step by step and it's pretty fun I, I the only thing that I don't like about the adventure mode right now is like the voices that they gave your character they're really annoying the male and the female voice are both equally annoying and I'm just like. Oh, every time they every time they open their damn mouths, it's not like they're actually speaking. They're just making noises, and it's just it's it's annoying. It is. I apologize to all the people who love the voices of the me characters. So yeah, I mean, I think the adventure mode is well worth it. Uh, it just it teaches you all the different modes in there. I just got past the one that's for cross country golf, which is not my favorite thing. Um, I felt like it was a little lopsided if you started in a specific spot, but the cool thing was that there was, like, tornadoes you could put your ball into, and it would lift it up to the next level, or there's like, these rock guys that you could destroy by shooting super shots into them. You know, it, it had some nice, nice little flares to it, and I, I, you know, so far, I mean, I'm just kind of enjoying my time with it, so, of course, I'll keep playing that. Until I finish it, of course, uh, and then maybe I'll report on some other interesting finds. But so far, my first impressions, you know, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, Mr. Predicto, uh, was that was that a good segment? Um, did Are people going to like that segment? 
Hey, all right. That's what I like to hear. Um, <laughs> what else have I? I haven't really play, been playing too much else. Um, this past week, uh, I finished uh, Ratchet and Clank: Tools of Destruction, which was uh, a game we played on the PS3. It's actually the first Ratchet and Clank game on the PS3. Now it's actually such an early ps3 game that there's no trophies associated with anything but i actually really enjoyed it i thought that um compared to other ratchet and clank games before and after that one like we we played um uh we let's see a crack in time which is technically the game that comes after this one and i you know i was kind of indifferent about that one i think i think i gave it a, a b in the end but you know, it wasn't like my favorite Ratchet and Clank experience, but Tools of Destruction was actually pretty cool. Minus minus the the motion controls that were kind of slapped in there because that was like the the new thing for the PS3. It was like, let's check out this new DualShock 3 controller with motion controls, and it's like, okay. Um, no, there's there's these moments where you're like shooting a laser beam at a wall, and you just gotta move the remote so that it does that. There's times when you're free falling with uh, Tom Petty, and you're just you know you need to use the motion controls to direct yourself falling or the gliding sections. There was very few of those, but you had to you know use your remote to glide through the areas, and they were little little things, and I don't like I didn't mind them uh, too much, but. You know, it was just kind of a more annoying, and I'm sure I'm sure there was a way to turn them off. But I wanted to play the game the way that the developers intended to play, which was with motion controls. I also, I mean, I I liked pretty much all the guns in the game. There was one that I felt was way too weak for what it did. It was like it was called the Predator Launcher or something like that, and you could load up to like four missiles at a time and auto lock on the targets. And the, 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 the damage was just so abysmal on on that thing. It was just not worth using. And I'm one of those players who, for Ratchet and Clank at least, where I like to upgrade all the weapons to at least level 5 by the end of... Well, actually, you can only go up to level 5 by the end of your first playthrough. Uh, and I just, you know, it's a way for me to kind of use other weapons that I don't, you know, I wouldn't normally use. Um, so, the, you know, I, just, just as an example, like Rift Apart, there's the... There's the sprinkler uh, th- throwable, like it's like a little sprinkler that turn that that makes enemies f- turn into like I don't know plant based beans for a few seconds, and I, I I didn't really use that much, but when I when I switched to it, I would throw one down, and then I would use a different weapon to or Mr. Fungi to take out the the things, and I would get like ex- experience for the for the for the sprinkler, and I would get experience for whatever gun I was using. And it worked out pretty well. I got that leveled up pretty fast by doing that. And the Predator launcher just took forever. It wasn't that fun of a gun to use. And I I, I think I ended up getting it all the way to level 5 and then not using it for the rest of the game. So there's that. I also think that the uh, the ending of the game, ha- uh, there should have been an autosave once you go into a different dimension. Now, I'm not going to spoil too much. Uh, this is in Tools of Destruction, not Rift Apart, I apologize. In Tools of Destruction, at the end of the game, you kind of get transported to another dimension midway through a boss fight. And I'm like, just put an autosave here so I don't need to go back to the real world and and do the fight up to that point again until it's it just, you know, just just put, a, put an autosave there. That would be great. Um, that's one of the things about this game that, I mean, almost the same as Freedom Fires, where it's like, there's very specific points where you save, and it's like, this is a PS3 era one. Like, I can kind of, sort of, forgive the PS2 game for not having autosave, but this is PS3, 
and you can only save when you're at a weapon weapons vendor or when the game does like a huge cutscene. And it's like, come on, just just throw me a bone here. You know, I'm going through half the level without without an ammo guy, and I die. You know, x you know like five minutes into it, and I need to go back again. It's just a little frustrating at times, but. Besides from that, all in all, I would put this game very highly on the tier list of Ratchet & Clank games, you know? Um, <clears throat> it's probably on the same level as, um... I think it's above A Crack in Time. I think it's on the same level as the Ratchet & Clank reboot, honestly. Um, and then, obviously, I think Rift Apart is, you know, I think it would be S, you know? <laughs> so if, if Rift Apart is S and Ratchet & Clank reboot and Tools of Destruction is A tier and Crack in Time is B tier, um, you know, that kind of gives you a good idea of how I like those ones, and I am planning on going through pretty much the entire Ratchet and Clank series as a whole, so look out for more Ratchet and Clank streams right now, I mean, I just, I just learned, I don't know if I talked about this last time, I just learned that you can act, you, you, like, the PS3 store has glitched out, like, the actual PSN PS3 store on the PS3 has glitched out, there is no more add to cart option, but if you, <laughs> But if you, the weirdest thing is, if you put it in the, if you put your cur, cruise cursor, if you put the, your joystick on where it would be and you press X, it'll still add it to your cart. It is so weird. There's no, there's no like glow or add to cart text or anything like that. It's just, it's just on a whim. I tried it and it worked and I was like, what? So I bought the quest for booty. I bought the entire Ratchet and Clank collection, which is like the first three games um, that were PS2 games, and I bought Into the Nexus. And here's the big thing as to why I bought these digitally and not physically, because Into the Nexus, if you buy it from eBay, a good copy is going to run you like $60. On the PSN store, it's $10. Quest for Pirate Booty was a, uh, I think it was a UK physical exclusive game. Can't get that in the USA, and even if I buy one from the UK, guess what? It's probably not going to work on my PS3. And the Ratchet and Clank collection goes up to a hundred dollars on eBay, and on the PlayStation Store, it's you know I think it was like I think it was thirty or forty something like that. It was pretty cheap comparatively. I wish I had found out about this sooner because I wouldn't have gotten charged out the ass for a used copy of the Sly Cooper collection. But that's neither here nor there. And yes, I do believe that it's time for PlayStation to bring back Sly Cooper. Ratchet & Clank is working, and people love it. I mean, there's there's all these other classic games like Spyro and Crash getting reimaginings and, and coming back. Uh, I mean, Crash 4 recently released last year, and it was a hit. It's time for Sly Cooper to come back. We haven't had a game for Sly Cooper since the end of the PS3 era. At least with Ratchet & Clank, we got a game on the PS4. You know? And in that same vein of things, I would love to see Jack and Daxter come back as well, but Naughty Dog's past that now, and apparently they're the only ones who can make a uh, Jack and Daxter game. I don't know. But I really would like to see a Sly Cooper game again, you know? Sly Cooper is... I mean... Sly Cooper's always fun, you know? Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Um... What else have I been playing this past week? I don't think I've really been playing anything else. I mean, I, I charged forward in, in Resident Evil 8. Um, I'm at the Heisenberg fight. So, you know, I'm having a good time with that still. There was a part in there where it just really ate through my ammo, and I was really annoyed because I had actually saved up 
like tons of ammo and I'm like, I feel good. And then I got to this part and it's like, yeah, sure. The ammo helped me get through it all. But it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that area and I'm like, I have like 10 bullets in my handgun and like a few flashbang uh, shots for my grenade launcher and nothing else. <laughs> like, holy shit. What the hell, man? Um, so I'm still cruising through that. It's been a fun time. Like I said last week, I'm just playing, th- playing through it at my leisure. So I'm not trying to like force it to be over quickly. You know what I'm saying? And we started Yakuza 0 on the Twitch channel. And the community has spoken, and they want me to swap it out with another game for the weekdays and play it a majority of it on the weekends. I'll probably still do Yakuza 0 on the weekdays here and there when we get closer to the ending. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I, just, I do know that it's going to be about... It's, it's about 30 hours for the main story, and if you do side content, it's going to be more like 60 hours. And I'm not planning on doing every single piece of side content, but I am going to play the game to its fullest because... After chapter one, I've actually really started to enjoy it, and it's been a, a fun experience. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll I'll keep you guys updated on that. Okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't think I've been playing anything else like of note, or have any thoughts or new thoughts on anything. I'm still playing a bit of uh, Super Metroid. Um, getting lost in that. I feel like I've gotten nowhere, but apparently I've gotten somewhere at least. Uh, other than that, I mean, oh, Chivalry Two, <laughs> Chivalry Two. I've been playing a lot of Chivalry Two. It's actually taken over my 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 nights now. Get it, nights? Because <laughs> you know it's medieval stuff. Yeah, whatever. Besides from getting kicked almost regularly every day, um, at least twice a day when I when I play. I'm really enjoying it. I, I I mean, I really liked Medieval Warfare, the first game, Chivalry Medieval, Medieval Warfare. And this one is just so much fun. I mean, the weapons are really fun to use. I've been trying out different characters and really enjoying them. Uh, I've, I've just, I, like, the community, the community is kind of mixed, you know? You'll still get those Call of Duty people who think it's funny to say this or that on, you know, on the, in the chat. But for the most part, it seems like the community is pretty good. Um, there's all, there's always going to be people complaining about, oh, I, I got triple teamed. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, that's that's life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you have you played Call of Duty and gone up against a clan? You know, <laughs> <sighs> but I am enjoying it. The graphics are really slick. The animations are great. Uh, the combat feels good. Um, I, I've been really enjoying the third person view instead of the first person view. So I've been I've been playing in third person, and uh, yeah, it's just been a fun experience. I just I just I'm I'm hoping for an update soon, or maybe maybe they're doing work in the background because I don't know if you can actually like I don't know if an update to the game would help the servers. I I think they would have to do that work in the background, but yeah, it just seems like I've been getting kicked pretty regularly um, from from games right now, which is a little frustrating because like you'll wait you know five minutes for something to load or find the game and then load the game and you get into the game and like it's like counting down when you're gonna enter the match and then it it gets stuck at one and it says lost connection and then it kicks you from the game. People have speculated that's you know it's a way to get the cheaters out of the server. So let's say they 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 try and join a server and you know I don't know if the system just recognizes them or something like that and it just shuts down the game. I don't know. I mean, you would you would you would think that they would have a better way of, you know, shutting, you know, doing, you know, just kick them from the game. I don't know. 
but it could also be just a thing with their servers you know obviously if it, I, it feels like the game runs smoother at night which is why i've been playing it more so towards like the nine o'clock hour you know during the day it seems to you know when the servers are less populated it seems like they work a little bit i don't know it's weird i, I don't know it's hard it's hard to say but um like i said i am enjoying my time with it very much so uh, you know if you if you're a person writing down notes for the top 10 games of the year from me you may want to put an asterisk by this one all right uh <laughs> I don't know if I should keep asking Mr. Predicto questions because I'm afraid of his answers. But, uh, Mr. Predicto, do you think people are going to um, like the rest of that segment, the rest of the what did I play recently segment? The answer is no. <gasps> oh, man, I knew I should have just shut up after Mario Golf. Mr. Predicto, is this, is this going better than last episode at least? Oh, oh man! Are we should should I brand this the worst episode yet of Fair Sixty Four? Yes, oh. without question. Without question, without question, my heart. Oh my god! All right, I'm gonna leave Mister Predicto over here for a while. All right, we're going into the news, everyone. This is the worst episode of Fair Sixty Four yet. I'm expecting ones and. And zeros. All right, so um, Valve, you know Valve, creators of Steam, Gabe Newell, you know, um, Half Life, Portal, Left for not Left for Dead. Anyway, uh, Valve is making a Switch-like device called the Steam Deck, not to be confused with the Stream Deck. Uh, this is the Steam Deck. So this is going to be a Switch-like handheld console um it does not have detachable controllers um but it is kind of like a switch pro quote unquote uh it's 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 pretty much set up like a um like a switch except i the buttons are a little bit high on the device so i'm not sure how that's gonna work but i mean it does i mean it does it look comfortable i don't know i haven't had it in my hands yet but it's gonna start at about four hundred dollars for the base model um, this thing is is a beast. Uh, just uh, just listen to this, okay? It has a seven inch, twelve eighty by eight hundred touchscreen OLED OLED um, with dedicated gaming controls, including two track pads and eight triggers on the rear. So that means you have four buttons on the back: R one, R two, and then three extra. I'm sorry, two extra buttons on the back for your for your gaming experience okay it has the steam operating system based handheld blah 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 connect your steam account and run pc titles um, it's powered by an amd made accelerated processing unit and the cpu is based on the zen 2 micro architecture which tops out at 3.5 gigahertz the gpu has eight RDNA 2 compute units each running at up to 1.6 gigahertz, which yields a maximum performance of 1.6 teraflops, 16 gigabytes of RAM, along with a micro SD slot allows you to uh, users to boost the built-in storage. 
There will be three uh, units available, three different models available, and um, Steam, or I'm sorry, Valve is very, they, they've been stressing that there are no performance differences between them. The big difference is just capacity and speed of the flash memory included on each one, and each model has a battery life that is rated from between two to eight hours of use, depending on what game is being played. So... This could be good for a quick car ride. It could also be good for, you know, just kind of waiting for work to be done on your car or just, you know, if you want to play your game in bed, you know, you got an hour to spare, boom, there you go. You can play Doom Eternal on your handheld Steam model. Um, it is a slick looking device. Um, I'm just worried about like the weight, you know, because that was, that's a whole thing of, uh, of my worries about like a switch pro is like okay well is it too hefty i've seen people review like those off-brand you know handheld devices that that people mod and stuff like that and they say that you know it's not terribly heavy um so i guess that's a, a worry that i'll have to address when i actually get one. Oh, did i say that yes that is right i pre-ordered this baby on steam if you put a five dollar deposit down you are guaranteed to get one early 2022 um, you'll, you're actually able to do that right now. So if you want to, if you want to put $5 down to reserve your stream deck, go ahead and do that. Um, they said that if you make a steam account and you have not bought anything on it, you'll have to wait 48 hours in order for your reservation to go through. If you, if you've been a owner of a steam account for a while, there'll be no problems. So the differences between the three different models here, we have the $400 base model with 64 gigabytes of RAM in the eMMC format. It also comes with a carrying case. There is a, so this is, this is crazy. It's, it's a pretty big difference here from 400 to $530. Okay. So it's $530 for this next one with 256 gigabytes of Whatever, I don't know what this means, but, you know, someone else smarter than me can tell me. G, uh, PCLE 3.0 NVMe SSD, which might be the flash memory. And it also has an exclusive Steam Community Profile Bundle. Oh, boy. And then, even more expensive, $650 for the 512GB NVMe SSD, as well as a, a premium anti-glare etched glass and carrying case. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, the pictures they show, they show the case. You know, it's, it's a pretty nice carrying case, not gonna lie, it looks pretty nice. Um, they showed people hooking up these uh, arcade stick-type controllers. Um, kind of like fighting game controllers uh, to the thing with, uh, it looks like it might be USB powered. Um, they showed the back of it, which has a fan, like a, a venting system in the back. And then you see the two um, uh, the, the two triggers on the back. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it looks pretty slick, you know, that's that's why I wanted to at least get one. I, I mean, am I, I mean, come on. I think about how much I use my Switch out of the dock, and I, and it's like very minimum. And it's like, this is a lot of money to spend for this thing. And it just, it just interests me. I just want to, you know, I just want to have one in my hands. I don't know why I want it. I just want it. Uh, what else does a st uh, stream, the Steam Deck, what else does a Steam Deck offer? There are three USB ports included. 
Um, one of them is a 3.1, while the other two are 2.0. Uh, DisplayPort 1.4 and HDMI 2.0 output is supported. There's also an Ethernet jack, 4K output at, output at 120 uh, hertz or 8K at 60 hertz is possible. Steam users, um, you can also... Uh, it also has some sort of uh, docking system. Now, they didn't exactly say what the docking system does, but... Uh, People are guessing that, yes, it probably just links to, like, a TV or something like that. There's no actual pictures of it, though. So, I don't know. Um, what else we have here? Uh, I already talked about the OLED touchscreen. Um, oh, he, they're talking... this. So, this is the differences between the OLED model of the Switch and the Valve Stream Deck. So, the touchscreen is relatively the same. Um, so nothing like too crazy there, except for the 60 hertz LCD touchscreen for the Steam Deck. Um, obviously, there's big differences between the uh, CPU and GPU. Um, there, the, there's only four gigabytes of RAM in the Switch OLED, while there's 16 in the Valve Steam Deck. Um, oh yes, I, this is another thing that actually kind of um, made me question something. The speakers. How good are the speakers going to be on this thing? Because I've heard some pretty nasty, crackly speakers from these custom models that are kind of like this. So this is the one thing that actually kind of like makes me go, hmm, I don't know. It says stereo speakers. There's going to be a stereo jack, dual mics, multi-channel USB-C Bluetooth output. So you can you can you can, you can link other things to it for the you know for the um, for the audio. But if the built-in speakers our crappy quality, you know, that's going to be kind of a disappointment. But other than that, you know, um, I, I have nothing else to say right now. Um, like I said, you can just, uh, it's pretty much a, it's pretty much a switch, except you're running Steam. Uh, they, they said something about um, Eric Peterson. He's, he's working inside Valve. He said, it's a PC. You can install whatever you want on it. So maybe there'll be like an operating system that you can access and hide the Steam layout, you know? Um, it's hard to say right now until you actually get your hands on it, but yeah, I mean, it looks like a little, it looks pretty interesting. Um, Gabe Newell actually came out and talking about, you know, how they priced it. And he was saying that the price point was secondary to, you know, the stuff inside of it. And he said that the price point was a little painful to set, but it was a critical aspect to, uh, to it. Um, they said, if you're doing it right, then you're going to be selling these in the millions of units. Wow. Okay. He's pretty confident there. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I mean, people are, people are probably good. If, if this actually has an, uh, like a windows operating system on it or something similar to that, a Linux system, people are going to be put in game boy games, switch games, you know, all the Nintendo games you could ever want. I'm sure people will be also putting PlayStation games and Xbox games on this thing. I mean, just think of putting Xbox Game Pass on this thing, you know. Um, so, and the fact that, you know, I have a bunch of games on my account. Like, some that I've never played. So, are they going to run better on this thing? Maybe not. But I think it's going to be a kind of a cool thing to have. And uh, I'm, I'm interested uh, to see uh, what it's really, really all about. Hey, Mr. Predicto, and I'm, am I going to regret pre-ordering the Steam uh, Steam Deck? The answer is unclear. Uh, Try again. 
Well, I'm not going to try again because I'm afraid what you're going to say after that. But hey, thanks for your input, Mr. Predicto. All right. There is a bunch of delays, everyone. And I know everyone gasps and gets ready to mount their keyboards and type furiously at the developers. Why is this being delayed? This doesn't make any sense. You guys suck. I'm going to sell all of my... My... Yeah, whatever. Uh, delays happen, y'all. Um, there's no reason to get angry about them. Uh, some of them, they just need more time on the games, and that's a good thing. If you think that a delay is a bad thing, you're a bad person. No cap. Ah, that left a bad taste in my mouth. Alright, so the first of the many delays that have happened, the first one we're going to talk about is Rainbow Six Extraction. That is not going to come until January of 2022. Uh, the It originally was uh, revealed to be coming out in September, uh, but after its big E3 showing, uh, Ubisoft has now confirmed that it won't be coming until January now. Um, they didn't say really why, but they said that we're embracing the opportunity to take additional time to bring this version to life the way it deserves. So they didn't say anything about, like, you know, what exactly they're working on, um, but I guess it's just quality of life stuff. Maybe they, they saw the timetable and said, yeah, there's no way we're going to iron out the, the kinks in this until, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, like I said during the E3 roundup, um, it doesn't look, like, amazingly impressive, but, you know, if you like Rainbow Six Siege, this is kind of like a spin-off of it because it has all the characters, I think most of the characters from Rainbow Six, and... Um, you know, you might like a different kind of way to play. I don't know. Also, uh, Republic Riders Republic was delayed. Um, it's now coming in the t on the twenty eighth of October, and it was originally supposed to be out on the second of September. So it's a little bit of a delay, about a uh, probably about a month, a month and a half or more. Um, the spokesperson said pretty much the same thing as the. Uh, last person, but they said to ensure we can deliver the best game for all players, we made the tough decision to delay the game to September sec uh, to 28th of October. I'm sorry. This will give us more time to fine tune the experience and give an, uh, give you another chance to jump before uh, blah blah blah. Okay, so yeah, um, they're just saying that they needed a second beta period for this one, and you know it just needed a little bit more time in the oven, I suppose. Um, so that's that. Resident Evil Reverse. Resident Evil Reverse. Um, I'm not excited about this. I actually probably will not be picking this up. Um, but it's been delayed until 2022. No date has been given. It was originally, it was originally supposed to be uh, available um, in 2021, but now it has been moved into 2022. No specific time has been given. Um, the team continues to work and to work on delivering a smooth gameplay experience. Um, they will update, of course, details as the game gets further into development. I just, you know, this doesn't, this just doesn't look good to me. Uh, the graphical style is not that appealing. The concept is also not that appealing, in all honesty. So, you know, it's probably something that I'll probably, I mean, I, th I think it was supposed to be uh, a free separate thing with Resident Evil... Was it Resident Evil 8 was or Resident Evil 3 remake? I think it was. It was supposed to come along with that, but obviously that didn't happen. So, you know, um, we'll see how that goes when it comes out. And now we move on to the PS5 console exclusive for the first year of the game's life. 
uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. That was delayed until early 2022. Xbox people were pretty pissed about this one, um, simply because now it means that it's going to take until 2023 for them to get this game because of the exclusivity deal with PlayStation. And you can also say the same thing for Deathloop. The, you know, when they delayed that, I mean, it's just, it's another year of Xbox not being able to play it. Look, I understand, you know, I get it. I get it. You want to play the game on your console of choice and not have to wait a whole year for the game that you want to play to come out. I understand completely just, I would ask that everyone just kind of be a little bit more calm when discussing the matters in, you know, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube videos, etc. You know, I just feel like people are getting way, way more worked up than they need to be, in all honesty. So, you know, even though, yes, it does suck that Ghostwire Tokyo has been delayed until 2022, and yes, it does suck even more if you're a person who plays on Xbox or whatever, that you won't be able to play it yourselves until 2022, um, or I'm sorry, even like 2023 at this point, but that's just how the world works sometimes, you know? So I think if we all just kind of, you know, just need to settle down, be a little bit more cordial. I mean, also people who, uh, you know, are, are being more defensive about it. You know, you need, to, you need to walk a mile in this person's shoes who has been a fan of Xbox and has an Xbox but doesn't have a PlayStation or doesn't have a good PC or whatever, you know. Just, I think everyone just needs to be a little bit more understanding. Anyway, now that that's done, let's read the uh, press release for Ghostwire Tokyo's delay. Okay. We've made the decision to delay the launch of Ghostwire Tokyo to early 2022. We want to get the game in your hands as soon as possible so you can experience the unforgettable version of a haunted Tokyo that we've been hard at work building. At the same time, we're also focused on protecting the health of everyone at Tango. Our new release window will give us time to bring the world of Ghostwire to life as we've always envisioned it. Thank you for being patient as we work to bring you an experience unlike anything else we've ever made. We can't wait to show you more of what's coming. So it's a nice little blurb there. Um, so like I said, that's being delayed until 2022. So uh, in the same vein of things, uh, Warhammer, which is a console exclusive, Warhammer Dark Tide has also been delayed um, for the Xbox. It's been delayed f- uh, from 2021 to spring of 2022. So this is what the Warhammer developers had to say at Fat Shark. Today we made a difficult decision to move our release date of Warhammer 40k Dark Tide to spring of 2022. We have a responsibility to deliver the best game we possibly can, and frankly, we need more time to accomplish this goal. It's no secret that building a game during a pandemic is a challenge, and we are not immune to this. We are planning to use the extra time to both focus on the level of quality at release, as well as invest in more systems to support Dark Tide and years to come. We couldn't be more excited about Dark Tide. In fact, the toughest part in this decision is the fact that we won't be able to put the game in your hands sooner. But I hope that you will join us in the Hive Terror... Tertium early next year. From all of us at the 150 plus sharks here in Stockholm, thank you for the amazing support. And that comes from Martin Walland, who was the CEO. Um look, I think you know, we don't want another cyberpunk scenario, right? You know? It's like obviously that game was released like a year too early as well. So 
I think that it's better for these companies to get a little bit of backlash delaying the game than a huge amount of backlash releasing the game early in an uncomplete state. And I think anyone who's anyone can agree with that statement. I don't think I have to say any more about that. And no, I'm not going to ask Mr. Predicto. He's in timeout right now. All right, big news. Um, the voice actor who voiced Kratos in God of War is is, go- is going to be voicing T'Challa, for, uh, who was also known as the Black Panther in the Marvel's Avengers game. Uh, so T'Challa is going to be depicted as an older version of the character so i think that the god of war voice actor um i'm what's his name what's his name what's his name what's his name uh christopher judge will be a great um a voice actor for this part in an interview with ew which is uh what is ew ew is an entertainment week uh, entertainment weekly i should have known that this is the worst episode of fair 64 yet people i know I turned it down straight away, Judge told EW. There's many Black Panthers, but I really didn't believe that anyone could should ever do T'Challa again after Bozeman. The actual talks proceeded, and basically I wound up doing it because my mother and my children said if I didn't do it, they would disown me. He continued, to be quite honest, I was fearful, fearful of being compared to what Chadwick had done so wonderfully. The only way I could really wrap my head around it was not was to not attempt a voice match to let my performance stand on its own. I put all that I, I put all that into it, and hopefully people like it. Um, developer Crystal Dynamics has also been eager to put its own stamp on the mythology as well, uh, saying that the story will um, overarch with A-Day, which is the events in the original game, and Wakanda will be closed off from the rest of the world, and, um, you know, people will... Uh, well, not people, but Claw will have infiltrated the area and T'Challa will of course have to you know defend the valuable vibranium there you go um so yeah like I said T'Challa will be older and more seasoned in the story having served as the king for quite some time and the DLC is going to be about 25 hours of new gameplay that's just pretty cool I think that he'll be a good fit, and I don't think anyone's expecting him to do, like, a voice match or, like, a a, a same thing as Chadwick Boseman did, because I don't think anyone could do the same thing as Chadwick Boseman, and if he tried to do the same thing as Chadwick Boseman, he would get more more flack than just doing his own thing, and I think doing his own thing is going to be much better than him trying to do Chadwick Boseman, if you get my drift. Um, I think this is a good fit for the character, especially if he's going to be an older, wiser, you know, he's been the king for much longer than the, than the Black Panther movies and, or not movies, but movie and, you know, the other things that Black Panther was in. Um, so yeah, uh, cool, cool news there. All right. So Fall Guys season five is going to be a jungle adventure. The season is going to be called Welcome to the Jungle, of course. Um, not much is known right now. There's going to be a full kind of reveal for it on the 19th of July. So that's just a few days away now. Um, and essentially, uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, it looks like they're going to be adding maybe like mud to slow you down. There's going to be new hammers that can punch you around. Looks like there's going to be rivers to cross, rhinos chasing you, a la Crash Bandicoot maybe. There's also a new version of the little penguin He's got like a, uh, I don't know, some sort of 
gems around his neck. And there's going to be a bunch of new costumes as well. They're showing off a few here. There's like a mummy who has like a who's like a king. Um, you have, you know, of course, safari adventurers. And then the one that I am most interested in is the pirate outfits. There's a guy who's in like a pirate ship and he's got the pirate outfit on. There's a pirate with like red and black stripes on him with a eye patch. Pretty cool. And there's also a fancy uh, llama in there as well. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's going to be a cool update. And of course, when we know more, we're going to... Uh, talk about that in that episode, which is probably going to be the next episode, honestly. All right, it's been confirmed after WitcherCon that uh, The Witcher 3 will be coming to the PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and the Enhanced Edition will also be on the computer as well. And it's going to include free DLC inspired by the Netflix show. There's a completely new rendering of Geralt on the cover, uh, obviously, they've done a lot of work to tr- to like bring this game up to a next gen experience, which it already is a is a pretty good experience overall. Obviously, uh, there's a few things that needed tweaked here and there, but I mean, it already looked good. So they're even bring- they're bringing it much higher in in the world. Um, but they said that there will be free DLCs inspired by the Netflix series. So maybe there'll be a skin that you can use that makes them uh, that makes Geralt look like more like Henry Cavill. Um, but yeah, that's all they really said about that. They said it's going to be a complete edition, including all the DLCs from the original game. And, uh, they didn't say exactly when it's going to be coming out. They just said that it's coming out this year. So that could mean late this year, early, or, you know, or as soon as next month, who knows, but, uh, cool news there for fans of both the Witcher and the Witcher Netflix show. Nickelodeon all-star brawl is coming in fall of 2021. Uh, this is a game that's pretty much Super Smash Brothers, but with Nintendo characters. You've seen Mario Kart with Nintendo characters. You've seen 3D platformers with Nintendo characters. Well, now here's Smash Brothers with Nintendo characters, and actually, they're dipping into the well. They're bringing in, they're bringing back some characters who we haven't seen in a while, um, like Helga from Hey Arnold, Danny Phantom's in there. Uh, Nigel from the Wild Thornberries, and yes, even Invader Zim. Zim is in this game. That's crazy to me. Uh, of course, there's also Sandy Cheeks, Patrick Starr, SpongeBob SquarePants, Leonardo and Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. Um, there's also a character from Ah Real Monsters in there as well, which is like, wow, I remember watching that, you know watching that a lot you know when i was a kid and i really liked that one of course probably the probably the older nickelodeon shows um are not going to get as much representation as like you know the new ones um but there are still a few characters who i don't recognize in there probably from you know newer tv shows um but you know i mean does it look good i don't know if it looks good per se but i will say that it looks like it's going to be a fun time if you're a big fan of Nickelodeon. Um, apparently, there's going to be lots of stages with over 20 levels featuring locations that fans will recognize in the little... I mean, I guess it's like a two-minute video. They showed, like, the Flying Dutchman, Jellyfish Fields. Um, there are some rooftops uh, from various TV shows. You know, it just uh, looks uh, looks kind of interesting. Some things we haven't seen yet. There's nothing from, like, Fairly Odd Parents yet. Cat Dog, Ren and Stimpy... Jimmy Neutron, you know, there's a bunch of, there's still a bunch of Nickelodeon properties that they could pull from for this. Um, they said that there's going to be way more reveals, um, for the game. So 
by fall we should know the entire roster maybe um they also said there's gonna there's gonna be single player and multiplayer modes uh you can play online with the four other fighters and each character will have moves to unlock and you'll be able to earn bonus content for an in-game gallery as you progress there you go it's being developed by two different studios, which is kind of weird to me. Ludosity and Fairplay Labs. Um, and it'll be published by Game Mill Entertainment. Ooh, boy. They also brought us the overpriced Nickelodeon Kart Racers. So I can only imagine that this is also going to be overpriced as well. Maybe it'll deserve the price more than those other games. I don't know. I can't say until it actually comes out. But look out for more information in the coming months. Ah, yes, with the launch of a new console becomes the uh, the onslaught of scalpers. The Switch OLED. Uh, the pre-orders have gone live in the United States, and yes, a hell of a lot of scalpers have scooped up Nintendo Switches, and they are selling them for over double the price. Some of them listing them for a bunch as much as $680 on eBay. And essentially all they say is pre-order confirmed, will be brand new, sealed, blah, 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 just like they did for every other console that's come out. And also the same thing happened for the Metroid Dread um, Special Editions and Amiibo Packs. Those pretty much sold out immediately. And the Skyward Sword Joy-Cons, if you don't remember that story, those also sold out because of scalpers. Um, yeah, it was, not, it was not long after the... the the Switch actually appeared on the retail sites that it was scooped up. Uh, many people, of course, pissed off, as they probably should be. It's, you know, it's just, it's kind of tiring. It seems like every single, every single release is just, uh, I mean, everyone has to scramble to get these consoles. But it's like, with this, I guess it's more understandable because it's a new thing. But with the like the PS5 and Xbox, it's like why are why are bots still scooping these things up? Like, are they real? I mean, they're not. I don't. I don't know. I don't think people are desperate enough to pay thousands of dollars for a console that's supposed to be four hundred or five hundred. You know. But hey, that's just me. I got very lucky. I got very lucky, and I already told my story about the Xbox Series S. I mean, that was completely luck-based. I don't know if I go on the Best Buy's website, I'll see more. Maybe I will. That's the thing. If you want a console, you have to, you know, make sure you follow a confirmed, reliable Twitter account. Have those notifications turned on. Same thing for a PlayStation, for an Xbox, for a Switch, I guess, nowadays. You know, find a good one that people respect and say good things about. Follow them. Make sure they're not shady. Some of them are pretty shady. Some of them will be trying to sell, you know, they'll, they'll put links to, like, you know, a, a scalper website or a scalper on Amazon and go, hey, look, it's available. And, you know, people might get tricked by that. Um, but, yeah, just be careful out there if you're still looking for one. And, uh, you know, just you just got to be a little patient, you know. You just got to be a little patient. And hopefully by the end of the year, these companies find a way to stop scalpers, which doesn't seem possible. Alright, uh, EA has confirmed that there will be no Star Wars news at EA Play. With peace and love, peace and love, there will be no Star Wars news confirmed by EA. Then why the hell am I going to watch your show? No Bioware, which means no Mass Effect. No blah 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 blah. No, th nothing like that. Now it's no Star Wars, so nothing new about Star Wars. Why am I going to watch your show then? I don't think I'm going to do... 
I don't think I'm gonna do a live react to this. I'll just I'll just talk about it afterwards. Um, but it's just it's you know it's a little annoying. You know they're not gonna show off the things that I really really want to see. I mean yes I do want to see Battlefield. You know, but I would like to see something about this the Lego game coming out. I don't know if that's EA, but you know I would like to know something about you know the the Lego game coming out or you know new things coming to Jedi Fallen Order or even a Jedi Fallen Order two coming or anything. Just give me something Star Wars. I mean, there's enough people who love Star Wars, and after the Mandalorian, I think people's faith in the Star Wars franchise has been, you know, has been rejuvenated after the sequel dis- disaster. So, I I don't know. But anyway, EA came out on Twitter and said, We won't be showing any new Star Wars games at EA Play on the on July 22nd, but all of us look forward to celebrating with you next year when we share our vision for the galaxy far, far away. So we have to wait until next year for, I guess, the next slot of Star Wars games. Because, I mean, we got a bunch in, like, a short amount of time, right? You know, you got, you got Star Wars Squadrons, you got Jedi Fallen Order. I think there was another game that I'm forgetting... Well, Battlefront 2, I don't know. I don't know if that's really worthy of saying... Well, I guess now it kind of is because they fixed it, but... Well, quote-unquote fixed it. Still things that I complain about. Anyway, I guess uh, they just needed a, a little bit of a break. And, you know, I, I was hoping to see maybe a Jedi Fallen Order, you know, 2 reveal. Like, hey, we're working on this and, you know, it's going to be even better, you know. I don't know. I guess uh, I, I guess I can be patient. Maybe. All right, so Slipgate, or Splitgate, I'm sorry, Splitgate, the worst episode of Ferris 54 yet. <laughs> Splitgate eh, now has a free open beta on both Xbox PlayStation. Um, it's been available to play on the PC for a while now on Steam. I played it a, a little bit when I, when I, when it originally was was um, was out. This is the cross-play beta, so um, it's going to be free to play. And, of course, it's like a first-person. It's kind of like Halo multiplayer. It has very similar qualities to Halo. There's also these portals around that you can go go into to give you tactical advantages, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, yes, uh, it's, it's gonna be, this is going to be a free-to-play beta. Um, they didn't say when it's going to end, but they said it's going to start July 27th. So, you know, there's no end date set right now. So if you want to check it out, make sure you do that. I, I don't know if you need the rush to it, but if you want to do that, make sure you do that. It's going to be available to download on older consoles like the PS4 and Xbox One and the newer consoles as well. So they got all their bases covered. As for cross-play, um, they're trying to get this cross-playing with, from PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. So, you know, this is, this is going to be kind of cool. So check that out if you want. I think the gameplay was pretty solid. You know, I can't complain about it. There's an all-new 500-page Halo Encyclopedia, which is going to be coming in 2022, March of 2022. Uh, 343 Industries announced that it partnered with Dark Horse, which is a comic book seller, to create an all-new Halo Encyclopedia, which will be 25% larger than the previous 2011 edition. It's going to arrive March 29th, 2022. It's going to feature fresh and newly captured game assets and content pieces to sit alongside a few well-known classics, to brand new art pieces that depict both elements you already love and a healthy slice of items from the extended fiction. The 11 gazillion words we've woven to pack into your canon curious craniums. Creative director Frank O'Connor said, It's a vast amount of work, and and the effort, imagination, and heart that has been poured into this would make a pretty fascinating exhibit on its own, but it's also a privilege to share it with you. 
to show you just some of what we've built over the first 20 years, even as we set about building the next 20. We hope you enjoy reading it even a, even a fraction as much as we enjoyed putting it together. Read it away. Read it the way you want, one page at a time, or let curiosity take you on its own journey. Uh, no price point right now, but I can only imagine that's going to be in the hundreds, I'm thinking. Um, but, uh, I'll let you guys know if I see, uh, what the, you know, the price and pre-order details are going to be. I'm sure that the, that the website will put that information up, of course. And finally today, uh, Psychonauts 2 is going to feature an invincibility mode to suit all ages and all needs. Um, after Xbox put out a statement saying beating the game on the lowest difficulty is still beating the game, this sparked a lot of conversation in the video game universe about difficulty in video games and how if you play a game on easy mode, you're not getting the true experience for the game. And uh, Double Fine came out on Twitter saying, you know, they, they revealed that Psychonauts 2 is going to have this invinci invincibility mode that you can toggle on and off if you want to. Um, and they came out on Twitter and they kind of did like this, you know, this little snooty remark about uh, someone saying like, eh, if you if you didn't beat it on easy mode, I would respect you more, you know, something like that. And then they followed it up with a serious one saying all people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing and important process for our industry and uh, a challenge we need to meet. End of the day, we want you to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you or whatever terms on whatever terms you want. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I don't think playing a game on easy or, you know, playing Dark Souls of the Magic build is going to give you any less of an experience than playing it on the hardest difficulty. Hell, I think playing Call of Duty, like, let's just put Call of Duty as a as an example here. I think playing Call of Duty on the veteran mode or realism mode, whichever, what you know, pick your poison, that is not the best experience to play these games on, you know? Maybe, maybe I would say hard mode is like, you know, if you want a bit of a challenge, but you don't want something that's going to make you tear your hair out, you know, but I, I come from, I, I come from the stance of normal, whatever the normal difficulty is, standard difficulty, right? That is the difficulty developers want you to play your first playthrough on, you know, it's a, it's a difficulty that's tailored to someone who is you know, who, who, who plays video games, maybe they've played the games in the past, um, if you're new to video games, you know, they put, you know, of course, it's, it's a good standard for difficulty in the game, and it's the, it's the difficulty that, the, that they would want you to play the game on, so whether that means that, you know, health is reduced, or, or I'm sorry, whether it means that health is maybe boosted a little bit, or you can take more hits, or you find more ammo, or, you know, uh, you take less damage from enemy attacks, or stealth is easier because enemies have less of a window to notice you. You know, whatever it means, that is the way the developers would like you to play the first playthrough on. If you want to play it on easy mode, that is completely fine. I'm not going to laugh and point my finger at you, you know? And I'm not going to play... I don't play... I, most games, I don't play on easy mode at all. I just I just feel like it's, you know, more of like a mode for kids or people who are new to the franchise or to gaming in general. I feel like that's something that just kind of, like, gets you used to it. You know, if you want more of a challenge, you can have more of a challenge. But if you just want the game for the story and you just want to kind of play through it at your leisure and you don't really care about difficulty or, you know, the combat in the game... 
you know, then you have your easy mode and, and it, it can be a good avenue to maybe get you into the harder modes. Think of it like Guitar Hero. Most people start a Guitar Hero on easy mode. And, you know, maybe after mastering easy mode, they went, hmm, maybe I'll switch to normal. Once you go normal, you can't go back. If you go back to easy, it just feels like it's too slow and too easy. And once you go to expert mode, there's definitely no turning back, right? And there are some people who have gone so far as to put hyper modes on and, you know, expert pluses and blah, 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 blah. And those people, they, they don't go back to easier modes because their brains are now like connected with this expert mode and you go back to an easier mode and you go, well, this is, this is just trivial, right? And I feel like some people who play games on the hard, most hardcore level, they're doing their Dark Souls runs with, you know, a broken dagger and they're completely naked except for a loincloth and they go, this is how, it, this is the real way to experience this game. And it's like, no, this is the real way for you to experience the game, right? If you want to play through Dark Souls on a Rock Band 3 controller, by all means, go ahead. You know, that is up to you. If that's the level of challenge that you want, go for it. You can have some bragging rights. Sure, that's pretty impressive. You know, playing through Dark Souls with only the short sword and hardly any armor on, that's, you know, it's kind of impressive. But that doesn't mean that a person playing through the game with a tank build, with a shield and a sword, has any less of an experience, you know? I don't know. It's just one of those things. Difficulty in video games is hard to judge, you know? A lot of developers go, this is the difficulty we want you to play it on just have at it. Some people are turned away by that type of thing, like with the Souls-like series, and I've been a proponent of saying, like, you know, your first playthrough of a, of a Souls-like game is going to be your easiest one, right? You know, you go through uh, Bloodborne, first playthrough, bosses, they, they, you know, they, they, they pose a challenge for sure, but they have a lot less health than your second, third, fifth, sixth playthrough. Um, same thing with Dark Souls 3. I feel like Dark Souls 3... You know, Sekiro... Well, maybe not Sekiro. Sekiro is a different beast. But, you know, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, you know, Jedi Fallen Order. These are the games that will get you into the more difficult games. And then you can, maybe if you want to, you can explore the more difficult ones like Dark Souls 2, 1, Sekiro, etc., etc. It's all dependent on the player. Not everyone needs to be phase Clan Elite, walk into a GameStop, trying to flaunt your million sub-count whatever. Not everyone needs that level of difficulty, you know? Not everyone is satisfied by playing games difficult. If, you know, if you play Resident Evil 8 on easy mode, that's fine. If you play Resident Evil 2 on the, you know, the mode that doesn't let you unlock trophies but gives you a better experience, go for it. I, I Just as long as you play the game and have a good experience, that's all I care about, you know? As long as you have a good experience, that's all that should matter. And if you're a person going on Twitter and and blame, and 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 sh shaming people for not playing Resident Evil 8 on the hardcore veteran difficulty, then I don't. Then I have nothing to say to you. You 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 shouldn't. If you don't have anything nice, you shouldn't say it at all. And you should respect other people's video game desires. I should say. Okay, that's all I gotta say about that. Yes, this went on a bit of a, ta a tangent, but that's okay. Probably no one's even listening this far in because this is the worst episode of Fair 64, right, Mr. Predicto? This is the worst episode of Fair 64 yet. Mr. Predicto, is this the worst? It, tell me. The answer cannot be found at this moment. You son of a bitch, Mr. Predicto. You son of a bitch. Let me try again. 
is this the worst episode of Fair 64 yet? Now that we're all done. It has been determined so. Ha! All right, see? Boom, baby. All right, well, I appreciate anyone who's lasted this long in this terrible, terrible episode of Fair 64. I really do appreciate it. Um... I'm going to be, I'm going to keep on the grind. Don't worry. Well, it's not really a grind for me. I really enjoy making these episodes. And yes, it don't, don't think that Yemi is, de is depressed. I, I, this is just a joke. I know that this isn't the worst episode of Fair 64 yet. This is just a joke in, in connection to last episode where I kept saying it was the best episode ever. Okay. It's just a joke. Don't worry. I'm fine. I'm going to keep making these. I will see you guys next week for the next episode of Fair 64. I hope you all have a good week. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Hope you all have a good weekend. Whatever day you're listening to this on, I hope you're having a good one. I'm Yo the Ferret, and I will see you guys next time. Bye bye. <laughs>